Hi, my name is Johnny Gardner, and thank you so much for listening to episode 15 of the Cedar 60 podcast. This week's episode is an interview with Brian Burns, who serves as the Director of Campus Experience here at Cedarville University. A graduate of Cedarville, Mr. Burns received his bachelor's in business management and received a master's degree in management and leadership from Liberty University. He is a certified development professional from Development Marketing Associates and a Disney Institute graduate. Mr. Burns is a passionate follower of Christ, a devoted father and husband, and is committed to creating a culture and environment that allows for service, creativity, and decisive action. And now, here is my interview with Mr. Brian Burns on leadership and the public square. Hi there. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Cedar 60. Joining me is Mr. Brian Burns. Uh, he's the Director of Campus Experience at Cedarville. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's an honor. Thank you very much for the opportunity to be with you this afternoon. Yeah, I'm excited to hear what you have to say. So if you could just begin by explaining what your role is at Cedarville, that way we can kind of build on what that has to say about leadership. Yeah, my role at Cedarville focuses on student programs, which you experience as a student, but also the operational side. So we, I tell our staff all the time that we get to touch a great deal of campus from anything from operational to room reservations on the academic side to fleet management of the university fleet to the phone center to call center, summer operations. And then you go over and you've got SGA, you've got Renova, you've got the campus activities board, you have student organizations that people are involved with. So I feel like we've got a good cross section of campus, which allows us to get to know a lot of people on campus, which for a guy that doesn't like to do the same thing every day, perfect job. Yeah, so I imagine, you know, with a lot of different branches and a lot of different opportunities to get involved, leadership is a really important value. So could you kind of talk about your leadership value and kind of how that influences how you manage these operations? Yeah, I, I agree with you on that, is that you've got to have a leadership philosophy. I know my first couple years, I've been here for 20 years now, so my first couple years, it was more of, oh, let's get everything done, serve, 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 do everything as much as you can. But then that just became a shotgun approach instead of a very guided missile approach. So I want to make sure that we know exactly who we are. So there's three words that we come up with on leadership. We've defined this in our CU Lead Conference, but it's stewardship. Everything that you will ever have, everything I will ever have is given to us from God. Mm -hmm. And that's just a fact. It doesn't matter if you're a believer or not a believer. God is in control. And then the next one is influence that, hey, I might be a 47-year-old kid, kid, I call myself a kid, and you might only be 20, but you still have influence over me. How do I not know that our conversation today might encourage me in such a way that makes me want to be better? And I think that's why leadership is influence. And then ultimately, leadership is serving other people because that's what Jesus did. Jesus did that the night before he was betrayed. He washed the disciples' feet. And that just blows me away that leadership needs to be about stewardship because it's about what we've been given. It needs to be about influence. It needs to be about service. And that really transforms and translates into everything you could ever do here at Cedarville, out in the work world, in the public square, in the private organization. It just really can translate. Yeah. So we talked, you, you mentioned that there's kind of different aspects of leadership. There's, you know, the public square institutional, you know, president of the United States type right. of leadership. And then there's individual leadership. But you've kind of framed this, I think, under the banner of Bravo Zulu. Yeah. So could you talk about that? Yeah, Bravo Zulu is just a way that the Navy communicates through nautical flags. They right. used to have to do that in the olden times because radios didn't have those. So you would use flags to communicate things, and the, the B flag is Bravo, the Z flag is Zulu, and what that means is well done. My, my, my father was, an Air Force, was in the Air Force. My father-in-law flew Navy jets, 
and uh, was intimidating. <laughs> and then I really got to know about this concept of Bravo Zulu through Dick Walker, who was uh, the person who held my job when I was a student. And he really talked about it means doing things well, doing things. And it's not a place of arrival. It's a mindset of I'm going to always do things well. So we have two statements. One, I always want you to provide extraordinary effort because you can't control the results. Right. But you can control your effort. And then the other one is you're going to strive for excellence, meaning we're going to do our best at everything. I don't care if it's making coffee, taping down cords, answering the phone, having a podcast with you. We're going to do everything we can to the best of our ability. So that's what we want. We want people to be busy so that when they leave Cedarville and they're going to these organizations, President of the United States, Senator, CEO of a company, they're looking to how do I provide that extraordinary effort and how do I strive for excellence in everything that I do. And I think you've talked about this also, that there's more of a goal than just achieving those things of extraordinary effort and, you know, like the things you were just talking about. But I think the phrase you say is creating an environment to create an opportunity to have a moment. So talk about how those things that you just talked about influences creating those opportunities. Yeah, for me, I always, I always thought when I was growing up that leadership, once I get this position, I can do this for other people. And that's not leadership. I think of, we had a guy here on campus a few years ago, his name um, was Donnie Smith, was the former CEO of Tyson Foods, and he drew something on the board, a pyramid of the normal view of leadership. You're at the top, everybody else is at the bottom. But then he drew a peach tree and he said, the leader is outside of the tree looking at what the tree needs. And that really changed my philosophy of leadership, and these, that's where this statement really came from, is that it's not my job to create a moment for you. It's my job to make sure that there's an environment that allows you to have the moment that God has designed for you. And think about that from a customer point of view, from a completely secular point of view, as a customer, as um, if I was a sales manager someplace, it's my job to create an environment that makes it welcoming for you to come in. And you're probably coming in because you wanna buy something, nothing wrong with money. So David had a lot of money, Solomon had a lot of money, but the whole idea is like, I don't think, we always think that we have to make the sale. And I think a lot of times it's freeing to understand that it's your job to create an environment and help people make those sales. I used to raise money for Cedarville. And one of the things people said, how do you ask people for money? And it was more God was teaching me at that point is like, it's more about connecting people's passions with needs. And that's what I mean by creating a moment. Mm -hmm. How am I creating an experience, an environment that allows people to create that moment that they really wanted yeah. to have? I like that. So you talked, you know, there's the secular, you know, working in a store and then there's also working in the church and that aspect. So let's talk about in the secular as students who are learning a job to go out into the world to do that job. What advice do you have for them or even for people who are currently working in a job to really take their role and bring it to the next level of using it to influence other people? I think it's a couple things. One, you got to know your organization really, really well. Don't ever hesitate to learn your organization because if you are hired by IBM, you're there to work for IBM. So know your organization, but then be the best at your job so that no matter what, when things happen, people go, wow, what's going on with this guy? He's the best, or what's going on with this girl? They're the best at what they do. And then I believe that that's where our faith gets to come in. And we could say, well, this is what I'm called to do because this is what I believe. And, and you have the opportunity to share the gospel with that. But I would really encourage people to do a couple things. One, know your job. Do your job well, and don't be afraid to fail. Yeah. How can that help us fulfill the Great Commission outside of the church? Because ultimately, as Christians, our job is to you know, reach a, the lost, dying world. So how can we do that through those jobs also? Yeah, I, I think the best way to tell you in a story is that um, I have a friend right now who 
was furloughed at her job during the summer because of COVID, mm. got brought back, and then 28,000 of her uh, fellow employees were, were let go. And some of those were people that were with the organization long before she ever joined, and they're calling her. Not because she's the oldest, but they're calling her because while they watched her work, not only did she do her job well, but she wasn't afraid to share her faith. So now she has the opportunity with these people just to listen to them, to invite, to pray with them. I just think you just be faithful with what God has called you to do, and he'll provide those opportunities. I work at a grocery store during the summer, and I've really started thinking about this over the last summer as I was realizing, wow, people are really hurting. It's like, what can I do as just the person bagging their groceries do mm-hmm. to represent Christ while I'm doing it? I think that's exactly the point of it is what you were talking about. Right. So you, I think you like Disney a lot. I do. Can you talk about that and then kind of talk how that fostered these mentalities that you've developed? Yeah, growing up, I grew up in a pastor's home, so I didn't have a lot of money, but one of the things my family always did was we try to take one vacation a year and my dad and mom took us to Disney I think I was about 11 and at that time Disney was going through a lot of changes and my my dad as a pastor was um, very eager to watch what other organizations do things well and he brought me and he showed me different things look how intentional they are look at what they call their employees they're not employees they're not numbers they're cast members even with church people sometimes we call them church members and we don't even treat them as individuals mm-hmm. where you know that was a difference at Disney so that started that love that I had for Disney had an opportunity to do some studying at the Disney Institute and see what they do yeah they got a lot of money I get that but my question always came back is why can a secular organization do it better than the church? And I'm like, no, we want to create that environment that people can have moments. I think that's what we do here at Cedarville. But then also understanding that they, they've got this philosophy that I don't think a lot of Christians do, where there's a statue of Mickey Mouse painting his self-portrait looking in a mirror, and he's painting Walt Disney. Mm. And I, I have that on my, on my credenza in my office because it reminds me, when people ask me or see what we do as an organization and they ask me to tell my story, do I tell about Brian Burns or tell about what Jesus has done in my life, how he's redeemed me, how he's changed me, how he allowed me to be adopted into this family and to be where I am at Cedarville? I, I, I think as Christians, we don't do that very well. And that love came because of what I watched another organization do, which I think is fine. I think sometimes as Christians, we don't want to look at secular organizations. Nah, you look at it through the lens of what's the common grace because mm-hmm. God created everything. Yeah. And, and I just want to adapt the things that they, we can't create roller coasters, sorry, <laughs> at, at, at Cedarville or the People Mover. That'd be nice on a cold day like today. <laughs> but we can adapt you know, the intentionality, yeah. treating people with respect. And that's what I love about it. So what you were talking about is how can we take those things that you see the intentional, uh, does, the way they intentionally refer to their employees as cast members, how can we take those kinds of things as current and future members of the church and apply that to not just fulfill the Great Commission, but also to develop each other as Christ followers? Yeah, I think the one thing that we don't do well as Christians is we don't believe the best in each other. Think about that. If something, goes, something does you wrong at the church, we hold grudges with church members more than we would even with fellow employees. So I think one of those is believe the best in each other. And that's one of the things that the culture there at that organization, if you don't, if you gossip, if you don't believe the best, they fire you. And I'm not saying we should fire Christians because I don't <laughs> think that's possible according to scripture. Um, but the whole idea is I think we as Christians need to be more intentional, more loving, understanding that the Bible is very clear that we should hate sin, 
but we shouldn't hate the person. And I think we focus so much on people's sin instead of on who God created them to be, that he, they are created in his image. And I know I've done that. I classify sins. And it's like, wait a second. I'm an angry, selfish, prideful, sometimes crazy person. And those things can all be sins as well. But I don't focus on those because I don't think they're big. Yeah. So I think we need to believe the best and we need to forgive. Yeah. And how can we steward those things that you've just been talking about in our four years at Cedarville as students? How can we prepare ourselves and use the vast amount of resources that are here to prepare us so that when we go out there, we're ready to begin that journey? Yeah, number one, don't, don't look at your education as an afterthought. You know, make it a priority. Get, become the best in your field. And I think that's Bravo Zulu. Become the best in your field. Try hard, learn from other things, but don't be afraid to fail. A lot of times people don't try things because they're like, I don't want to be let down. You know what? Failure's not final and it's not fatal. It's a directional move. So I think I wish somebody would have told me that mm. at 20, 21, 22, even 40, is that it's okay to fail. And ask yourself daily, what did you fail at today? What did you learn? Because God is not about us sinning less. He's about more of us figuring out, wow, I recognize my sin quicker. Mm. Because until we get to heaven, we're still going to sin. Right. So I, I, my challenge to any Cedarville students, don't be afraid to fail. Be the best at, at everything that you can do. And don't overcommit yourself. I think in college we can do that. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people, you were talking about, they want to get involved and they end up overcommitting themselves. But what if people want to get involved and they decide, man, I don't have the time to do this or the door doesn't open. What would you say to them to say, you still have an opportunity to influence? How would you suggest they go about and realize the opportunities available to them? Yeah, I, I would say, first of all, look at your schedule. And you, you're probably in three or four classes during the semester. How do you not know that the way that you show up on time, you do your work, influences that professor? Because mm -hmm. sometimes those professors, I've been there. I'm an adjunct professor, and they're the students that, that show up on time, that do their job. They really have an influence on me, and it causes me to want to be better. Then I've had those students who don't, and it's like, what's the point? So be that person that really understands that you influence people. I tell people uh, when they're, my, my eight-year-old son watches how I drive. And he sees that, Dad, why are you speeding? Or why are you getting aggravated with that driver? That eight-year-old's having an influence in my life and saying, mm -hmm. look, here's a blind spot that you have not looked at. So don't ever think that leadership is a position. It's a mindset. Now, are there certain positions that we talked about, you talked about at the beginning, institutional? Yeah, I'll never be president at Cedarville University. Don't have the credentials, don't have the desire. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that I don't have influence like Thomas White has influence. Just different. Don't waste the influence that God's given you. And what about the people who have been given the ability to possibly move into the future and lead in roles like president of a university or you know a senator or any role in the public square? What are things they can be doing now, even if they may not realize that they've been given those gifts, to steward that ability mm -hmm. so when they get to that point, they're able to do it well? I think number one is to keep the main thing the main thing. Mm -hmm. So decide, be resolute. If you, as Christ followers, that I'm never going to give up my faith, no matter if it means money, it means votes, it means popularity, it means relationships. Be resolute in that now, because that is not something you want to be resolute in when it's in front of you, because then you're tempted. And I think that's one of the things that Jesus did. Is Jesus, before he was even in the wilderness with Satan, he was resolute. He knew I'm, I'm, I'm God, and I'm not going to do that. And that's why he could look at the great deceiver 
and say, no, yeah. no. So I think number one, keep the main thing the main thing. Um, number two, like I said earlier, always strive to be the best at what you can do. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Matthew 5 talks about that we are the salt and light of the world and that we are called to put the light out there so that others can see our good works. It doesn't mm-hmm. say may, it says see, so that we can give glory to God in heaven. I think keeping the main thing the main thing, doing our best in everything, and understanding that failure is okay. Yeah, It really is okay. <laughs> So you said you've been in this role for like 20 years now, so I'm sure you've come over a vast many number of resources on these topics. What would you suggest to people who are interested in reading and learning and right. developing those skills now? There are, the Bible's replete with, with passages on this. So Nehemiah is one of my favorites of looking at somebody who had a very low position, cupbearer. Okay, my job is to drink, and if I die, the king doesn't drink. I mean, that was his job. That, but he was called, and God used him to give him other things. So I think, first and foremost, look at Scripture. Um, Patrick Lencioni is a great author, written books on the five dysfunctions of a team. Jim Collins, um, uh, Dr. Henry Cloud wrote a book on boundaries, on integrity. There's just so many books out there, podcasts. Just be a learner. Don't ever find something that you love, find something that you, you're passionate about and jump in and, and learn. And there's so many resources right now. I think my favorite image that you said is the picture of Mickey Mouse painting the image of Walt Disney. I really, that's just an amazing picture of, you know, what heaven will look like. We're, we're pointing to God. We right. should be pointing Jesus instead of ourselves. So that's amazing. Do you have anything that you want to say in conclusion to you listeners, either students or people who are out there in the workplace now about anything that we've talked about? I just say, don't be afraid to fail and be the best that you can be, but understand that you're doing it, not for yourself, because that will be very empty. You, you'll never have enough. You'll never have enough money. You'll never have enough praise. You'll never have enough positions or relationships. But do it because you want to serve others, but ultimately because you want others to see Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Thanks, podcast. Sir. I've really enjoyed our talk. This is great. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Cedar 60. We hope you'll join us next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Cedar 60. If you enjoy exploring politics from a distinctly Christian perspective, please share this podcast with a friend. If you'd like to be notified about future episodes, please follow Cedar 60 on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, and look for our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much.